That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Hello, Gotham, and welcome to Bat Force Radio, a Batman slash DC podcast with no limits being brought to you from the most dedicated Batman group in the world. Here we cover everything from new comics to story arcs, merch, special guests from the industry, and beyond. Definitely check out our playlists for interviews and story arcs that we covered, and give us a sub over on iTunes and our SoundCloud, plus catch us over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as The Bat Force. Tonight we have DC in the house. That's right, we have DC all access in the building, so let me get the out of the way first. I got Bat Force Tom over in sunny California. What's up, guys? I got Grandpa Batman in Texas. Howdy. Got Arkham Asylum LPC <laughs> over in Dirty Jersey. What's up, everybody? Got Robo oh. Rich over in Detroit. Yo. Got Robin Cross up in Maple Land, Canada. A boot. All right, guys, uh, like you heard it today, we got a very special guest. Uh, we are treated by a man who wears many geeky hats. You've seen him on Screen Junkies, uh, you heard him on many podcasts. Uh, you might be subscribed to his YouTube channel. You probably know him best as the co-host of DC All Access and now comic creator of the upcoming Jupiter Jet, Jason Inman. Yeah. Welcome. Hello. 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 How is it going? Thank you guys so much for having me on here. Oh, well, dude, thank no, you thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So uh, how's, it, how's it going for you? Uh, it is going good. I am in the uh, full on swing of publicity for Jupiter Jet. So. Why don't you talk to talk a little bit about that and how you got started with it? Because, I mean, first of all, I don't know, you you seem like you're always doing something 24-7. So to go from having no time, it seems like, to do something to then creating your own comic you know what? How did it start? Where did it come from? You know, how are you doing now? Well, I've always I've always wanted to create a comic book because that was always the goal. I think a long time ago. In fact, when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a comic book artist, and I had the dream of going to the Joe Kubert School on the East Coast. If you guys Ooh, know that, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to about my junior year in high school, and I looked at I think it was Uncanny X Men at the time. I, I believe it was Andy Kubert. And I looked at my art compared to his, and I was like, there's just no way. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, and so, so from that point on, I was always like, oh, I want to make my own comic. And the, the best thing about hosting DC All Access is you get to talk to creators, and you get to talk to artists and editors and kind of see how the sausage is made. And once I saw that, I was kind of like, oh, it's not as hard as you think it is to make a comic book. You just have to make it. And it's funny enough, I was with my wife, who is the co-writer, co-creator of this book, uh, Jupiter Jet. And we were in a diner once and we were talking about like projects that we'd love to do and things we'd like to write. We, we do that every once in a while because we're both writers or both creators. And she said, I've always wanted to write something called Jupiter Jet. <laughs> and as soon as she said that name, I immediately was like, oh, and she has a jetpack from her dead father and she's stealing from the mob and she's got a little <laughs> brother and she's flying through blimps and she's doing this. And a man with glowing eyes is chasing her down. And it was like the whole world just like spilled. So it's like the perfect collaboration. And we and we work back and forth. And, um, you know, it was just like we, we, we have been sitting on it for a while. And it was just the idea of like, when's the perfect time to launch a Kickstarter? Because as anybody knows, um, creator-owned comic books cost money, especially if you want them to look yeah. DC and Marvel level. And I really do. And we found a great artist named Ben, ben Matsuya, which was great. Uh, in fact, Ben, our artist in this book, was a fan of mine uh, from when I was on Screen Duckies. And he literally did a piece of fan art of me. And I liked it oh, so wow. much. I liked it so much that I was like, hey, man, do you draw comics? And he was like, I do. And I was like, huh, I'm going to hire you. Oh, <laughs> just like that. 
just like that. And um, so it just goes to show you that like, hey, sometimes you email the right person, something's going to happen, right? Yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, so now we're, um, we're That's out really there. the beauty of the social yeah. media these days. It's like, it really brings fans and creators and, and also artists and, and writers really close together, unlike ever before. And it, it it's actually a fun time. I know I've enjoyed being able to talk with people like you and and writers uh, and creators it's amazing now that's and see that's the that's the beauty of social media and that's not the dark side of social media like that's the great thing of social media <laughs> is the fact, the fact yeah. that and that's what people don't realize like I, a lot of people want to treat social media like badly or or like they're like oh this is the way that i can like get a rise out of that guy and it's like no 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 no, no. this is the way that you can ask that guy for a job yeah. you know yeah, that's the trick of social media. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, you had this dream when you were a kid and it's almost like the Internet has helped you kind of fill in the gaps to what you once thought might have been like, you know, like impossible. You know? You're you're 100 percent right, man, because like the Internet has like become my entire career. And it's so crazy when, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, what's the Internet? Um, so <laughs> yeah. what but, the f*** is the internet? Yeah, I'd, I'd have been like, is that MSN Messenger? What? Yeah. <laughs> we all we all use that. Come on, admit it. Dial it. Oh yeah. I, I hate the sound that thing makes. Oh. Yeah. Ding. Someone has but to I, use the phone, and you got to get off the internet. <laughs> is it still around? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. MS, AOL or MSN? MSN. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. You. Oh, I think. Um. I think it's I'm fake I, news uh, now. <laughs> um, but, but no man you're right like like the internet has really helped me because um my first job when i came out here in la was making internet videos for this uh really crappy company called mahalo.com i make cooking videos and that was what allowed me to um i i, I found out about a posting from a friend about this job at Retin link and so I went and worked for Rhett and Link uh, for like two to three years, which many people don't know. I don't know if you guys know Rhett and Link and Good Mythical Morning and, and uh, stuff like that. So I worked for them for like three years. Like I helped them create Good Mythical Morning. And then that led to Screen Junkies, to, which led to me seeing online that DC was like, hey, we want to host. And it's so funny because my girlfriend at the time, now wife, wanted me to do it. And I at first didn't want to do it because... I thought there was no chance in hell that I'd get the job. It was and just off of it was just off of a, a contest, wasn't it? It was. They just opened it up to they opened it up to everybody, and they wow. said, "Send us in a video, and we're gonna pick one of you guys to be the host." and And I thought to me that sounded like, "Oh, they're gonna get like thousands of submissions, and what the hell would they ever even consider mine?" And all they're gonna be like Jesse from VH1 or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <Remember> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or somebody like way more qualified is gonna send in a tape mm. and they'll and they'll and they'll a tape. What am I talking about? In a file, a video. And <laughs> nice. I just dated myself. Uh, <laughs> um they're gonna send in something and they're gonna get it over me, but like thank God I did it because like mm. the last three years have been like me working a dream job all because of the internet. I, yeah. I've always wondered that too because um you and a Tiffany I I look at it like how do you get a job like that? Could this like a million nerds Nerd. to do something like that, but only two are chosen. Nerd. And I always wondered, like, how that happens. And that's really interesting, the process. And, uh, it makes it nuts to think about that you were able to get in there like that, like the way you did. Now that you see, now that you hear your story, you say it, it's crazy. <laughs> it is. It, it's 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 shocking and, and, and it's crazy. But it, the interesting thing about it is um, uh, some people might know uh, when I was w waiting to find out whether I got the job or not, because it was a, it was like two months. Uh, before I found out that they were like, oh, we want you. Um, I told some, I told my friends, I was like, oh, I did it. I, 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 I auditioned. And one of my friends, um, I won't say the email address out on the air. It's not that I don't want a million emails, but, you know, it's for friends and family and stuff like that. But in my email address, uh, the, the numbers 52 are in there. And oh. every, if you know anything about DC, everyone's like, oh, that's DC's number. And I had, I had a friend literally say to me, he's like, your email 
has 52 in it. He's like, I don't know how much more DC you could be. You're going to get the job. <laughs> you know, it, it speaks to kind of like, I guess, your screen talent, too, though, because I just went back and watched the very first episode that you were ever on where they kind of introed you. By the way, Stephen Amell gave you a little like introduction, which is totally awesome. Oh, yeah, uh, that I, I, I stole that clip off the Internet. And I'm never going to let it give it back. <laughs> it says it's very, very cool. Um, but, dude, it's funny because, like, I mean, in a way, yeah, they kind of opened it up to anybody. But really, like, I think they did a good job with picking someone who is very good in front of a camera because it doesn't seem like you're a brand new guy that's doing that job. I'm sure you guys, um, you know, maybe rehearsed and stuff like that. But it seems so it came so natural to you. And I think it probably came from maybe some of the stuff you were doing before at the time. Um, but they, they did a good job with picking you, man, because, you know, it doesn't like you this the guy that you see on the shows today. It seemed like the same person as that first episode. Oh, I appreciate that, man. That's very kind. Uh, thank you. It, you know, it's interesting because I, I have talked to some of the people inside and they they told me that um, because before then, I the only like I've been doing videos on my YouTube channel and not very successfully and stuff like that. But I, I, I decided about a year and a half before I got the D.C. job to i would just think i was like oh what can i do and at one point i was like oh well what if i read all of the comic books from one company and in like a 10 minute video talked about each one and said yay you know like i said uh buy it uh borrow it or skip it and i did that every week for a year and a half um, and i almost burned myself out of comic books because i was literally reading like 50 comic books a week whoa and man it's it's a lot, man. It's a it, it's it's almost so many comic books that comic books start becoming the same. You know, it's like yeah. oh, if you if you eat nothing but chicken, you get tired of chicken. Well, that's what happened. That's what almost happened to me about comic books. But I'm so glad that I did that and I was consistent about it because people inside DC told me that a big thing of why I got the gig was that they looked at my YouTube channel Ooh. and they appreciated that I had reviewed all these comics for over a year. Wow. Yeah, consistency is a big yeah. quality or whatever. You yeah, know. so it was like a it was like a weird thing of like me doing that crazy idea actually paid off. Like sticking uh -huh. with it paid off. Well, it's, yeah, you you built a credible resume and and you know that paid off for you. That's awesome. He was he was gonna say Fuck it right before DC called him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, I I was I was pretty uh, I was pretty I was pretty, pretty close. close. I was pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you you stuck it out. It paid off. But now you're here, so it's all something <laughs> random. It's all so, it's all about how timing's kind of weird, right? Oh, you know it's cool weird. because it also kind of gives people like um. I mean, it gives people kind of hope, too. With You start doing something that you like and you turn it into a hobby. You know, most people never think you can ever do anything else with that. Um, but if you stick to it and you really, really, like, work hard at it and you really put your passion into it, it can turn into something. For you, it's turned into kind of a career, right? And um, that's something that I think people should take away with is, like, you know, if you really like something, go for it and do it because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what opportunity kind of fall in, in front of you um, that you, if you didn't try for it, you wouldn't get it. Um, and another cool thing is you're from Kansas, right? I am. Farm what boy part? from Kansas. Yeah, I, uh, that's part of what I used in my audition. I literally that was is... like, I, I am. I grew up on a farm. Uh, we, we had cows, we had chickens, we had pigs. I, I did chores. I hauled hay. I, we I had a ship from Krypton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a ship from Krypton. It's, it's kind of like the joke. And I, I mean, the town I come from is called Stark, Kansas. Oh, no way. Um, <laughs> It has less than 73 people that live in it, um, wow. and nobody's heard of it. When I, when I, when I, I live in L.A. now, and when I tell people I'm from Stark, Kansas, nobody's ever heard of it. So about a couple, <laughs> couple years ago, I just started saying I'm from Smallville, and everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, I know that town. Oh, it's, it's not real. It's not real. Amazing. Talk about a little bit, maybe about about how you ended up kind of getting to California. What was it that you, what well, you know, what, what did, how did your journey start? Where did you start? How did you end up here? Oh, that's a big long question. Um, I uh, so I graduated. I went to the University of Tulsa, and I, w I went. I was a, on a film and theater degree, um, and I knew that I wanted to make movies, do stuff like that. And uh, but I, I'd set the goal for myself. And this is this is a great this is a great piece of advice. I'd love to say to anybody that uh, is thinking about like in their head, if they're listening to this and they're like, I want to go to L.A. or I want to go to Chicago. I want to go to New York, one of those like big city towns or whatever. Um, I I graduated. I graduated college. And at the time I was like, oh, I, I probably should have some money before I go out to L.A. 
So what I did is I spent two years just working a nine to five job and saved up as much money as I had because I had a goal that I was like, I cannot go to L.A. until I have X amount of money uh, mm -hmm. because I wanted to make sure I, I, I was going to go to L.A. without a job. I wanted to make sure that I could cover myself. Mm. So I worked in the auto automobile collision industry. Whoa. And I sold automobile paint to collision centers and car dealerships for two years. Um, wow. I know so much more so much more about bumpers and dents and dings than I ever wanted to know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did that. I, I, I reached my amount of money early and then I just set a date for myself and I was like, OK, I'm going to do it. Um, I had considered becoming a teacher for a while, but there was a certain point where I was like, I need to go to L.A. because if I don't, I think I'm going to regret it. 20 mm. years from now. Like 20 years from now, I'm going to be like, man, what would have happened if I'd gone to L.A.? And so. I decided to say hey, screw it, and I and I and I went. I sold out everything that wouldn't fit in my car, and I drove out to LA without a job. And I think I spent three months unemployed, and and then got that job at the Mahalo Cooking Company or the mm -hmm. making cooking videos, uh, as as I said. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the journey. The interesting thing about my journey, especially out here in LA now, is that I've done a lot of. Um, production jobs and producing jobs and writing jobs behind the camera. And it's only been the last like two or three years where I've actually had like hosting gigs in front of the camera. Mm. So it's interesting because I'll meet these crews on different shoots and like, I'll help them carry equipment or I'll know what their lights are or I'll know like their sound equipment. And like a lot of them will look at me real funny. Like they'll be like, huh, how do you know hmm. my world? And I'm just like, well, it's because I worked your world for three years, man. Mm. Super helpful, man. Yeah. You think about it. Well, <laughs> I also know that, that, like, here's the biggest piece of advice I'll ever uh, get, 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 give you, and sorry to interrupt you, um, is the crew on any film set TV show, like, they're the lifeblood of that shoot, not the actors. Everybody, like, wants to treat the actors and the hosts like reality, or like royalty, excuse me. And... No, it's the dudes that are setting up the light. It's the dude that's holding the camera. It's the sound guy. Like, they're the people that, like, make that shoot happen. And, like, make sure they're happy. And mm. if they're happy, the set will be happy. Yeah, that's true. You don't want, a, like, a light falling on you during an interview or something. Like <laughs> exactly, man. And, yeah. It's also, like, it's a, rule, it's a rule in, like, any shooting, anything film. It's, like, if you take care of your camera guy, he'll always make sure you look good. Mm. Yeah, that's great awesome. advice. So now that you're like kind of working in the in the way that you are, did you ever think or did you ever want to get into working like with and around comics? Or is it just kind of something that you were able to kind of like sneak into? I've always I've always wanted to work in comics, hundred percent. I've always wanted to write a comic. It's actually um it's a it's a bucket list goal of mine um to walk into a comic book shop someday and see a Superman book. With my name in it. Nice. And <laughs> I honest, I honestly could die happy if that happens. Yeah. Like I, I literally could just be like, yeah, I did it. That's that's all I need. Take yeah. me now, Zeus. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> so I've I've always wanted to write comic books. It's always been, but the the interesting thing about it is, it's always been like an industry that was separated from me until I got the DC job. Mm. You know, like I I didn't know how you did it, and 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 and, and it's interesting because. Once I got in it, the answer is so simple. It's like, well, if you want to be in the comic industry, just make a comic book mm. on your own, show it to people, and guess what? You're in the comic book industry. Yeah, that's 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 advice I've heard from a couple of different people who that you know best advice. Like, oh, Paul Dini. Paul Dini told us the same exact thing. He said, "You want to get into comics? Write, draw your own, do it, do it, and then." You know, show it to as many people as possible. So, you know, Paul Dini talks, you listen, right? So. Yes, I, I, I Paul, I've, I've actually gotten to know through the DC job. And it's so funny because before I got the DC gig, I remember my first year in L.A., I went to uh, the Paley Center. The Paley Center is this nice little theater that's yeah. in Beverly Hills. And they do yeah. like premieres for the animated movies and other kinds of TV shows and stuff like that. And I got to go to one of the animated movies and he had worked on it. Beautiful. And it was so funny because after it, it was a limited screening and after the screening, I went up to Bruce, Tim and Paul Dini and was like, can I get pictures with you guys? And I was the only person in the audience that did that. 
Wow. Um, and they were like shocked that I wanted to do that. But I was like, no, you guys are amazing. I, 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 your, uh, your writing's fantastic. Batman, the animated series. Oh, my God. I got to get pictures with you. I was the only person that did that because everybody went with for the stars because there were, I believe the, the movie I saw, I can't remember which one it was, had like one of the Desperate Housewives guys in it or something like that. So everybody went to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Paul Dini and, and Bruce Tim. And it's so funny because I got to I've got to interview Paul Dini like three or four times now. And it's so I told him that story and, and he was just like, yeah, you should have come to the Desperate Housewives guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you made the right choice for sure. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very that's a big thing about D.C., especially like the journey of, uh, I guess, my life career or whatever, is that it's so surreal sometimes. Mm. Dude, you are you, basically you went pro, man. We're kind of doing our thing. But you're like uh, you're like the guy that, that we look up to and is like, damn, that's that's what we got to do. That's somehow we got to get into that kind of. I'm going to flip something on you guys, though. You're not amateur. You're professionals because you're doing it. And if you do it and you treat it professional, then other professionals will treat you as professionals. You're only an amateur if you treat yourself as an amateur. So you guys, you're professionals. <laughs> now you just gave us all big heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, see, that's the difference, though. That The difference between an amateur and a professional is that an amateur will never do it. An amateur is that guy that'll be like, you know that movie I saw last week? Well, I could write a movie better than that. (laughs) But will he ever do it? No, he won't. The professional is the person that will actually look at that movie, be like, I can write a movie better than that. And then six months later, they have a script. That's what I say about critics, too. I mean, you know, it's real easy to sit on the sideline and and critique, you know, whether it's a movie or a, uh, music or or anything like that but anytime i hear somebody criticize something i'm like well show me what you can do show me your work you know that shuts I, them down i agree i agree with that 100 percent. i'm a i'm a big believer that like any critic should have some skin in the game as they say like you know like whether that's like whether you're writing a book or producing something or doing something like i kind of feel that you should have some skin in the game because you should think about how you would feel if you read that critique. And, and 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 I'm not saying like that that means we need to be nice to all creators. No, that's definitely wrong because like I hate the Ghostwriter movie with a vengeance. Oh my God. Um, I, I, there's nobody on that movie that, that can defend that movie to me. But at the same time, it's like thinking about other movies or other TV shows and, and like um, Lost, for an example, which is a show that like, like a lot of people pan. I love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And like, you just got to give some major respect to those guys for pulling that show off. Knowing, knowing what they were doing from the first, what, episode? Even before? Yeah, and I, and I, they, and I, I do think, a lot of people think like, oh, they made it up. And yeah, no. they made up, they made well, up piece, they made up pieces of it. There are pieces of it that they made up that they didn't know. You wouldn't know because any writer, you you have an idea of how it's going to end, but you don't know exactly how it's going to end until you actually write it. But you go back to that show, you watch episode one, and you watch the finale. Yeah, they they had some idea of where they were going. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't I don't mean to turn this into the Lost Podcast. It's just an no. Example. You're you're <laughs> absolutely right. You know, going back to what you were saying, we we always. I mean, I, I think we're probably one of the most open minded group of DC fans you'll find out there. You know, even the stuff that most people have hated we've found enjoyment out of all of it and we're not shy about talking about it and i think in a way it's like being a cynic is it's not gonna get you anywhere at any time any you know no. with anything and so it's you gotta you gotta if it's not for you it's not for you you move on you don't have to like beat it down you know um you just go on to the next thing that is for you or you make something yourself like you said hmm. But, um, Except for Batman yeah. Forever, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? No, 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 Batman and Robin. You can, I'm sorry. Still, <laughs> you can still find goodness in all them movies. I don't Dude. care what you say. Yeah, Batman. Yeah, it's bad. That, that is a very true point because even though Batman and Robin is terrible, and the last time I tried to watch it, I could only make it 20 minutes through it. You got to give it some pluses because. Robin is wearing a Nightwing costume in that movie. Yeah. yeah. And it looks awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff in Batman Forever. It a did, lot of cool it stuff. It did make me want to get a, um, uh, I mean, Batman and Robin did make me want to get a Bat credit card. So, yeah. I guess, okay. uh, <laughs> it just made me wonder why a 23-year-old man needed to be adopted by a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the more, the bigger trouble is, is that why is that 23-year-old man, um, when he's looking at a dryer, 
doing this weird scene where he like beats his clothes dry. Karate <laughs> 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 laundry. We put it on. Yeah, he's standing in front of a dryer. We can see it. <laughs> the, the whole movie just stops right there. It's... Oh, dude. We, and, we and, then, a... and then he gives Alfred that flirty wink. He does. <laughs> yeah. We put a post up of uh, Batman. I think. I think. What? I f- oh, because Michael Keaton had just like like uh, talked about how he read the script and it sucked. That's why he didn't come back for it. And so um, we put up a post basically like with you know, we put up the initial report that he had said he didn't he thought it sucked. But then we put up another post saying that even though he thought it sucked, you know, some of us really liked that movie and there's still some great moments in it. You know, question, what was your favorite moment? And somebody put in the comments, karate laundry. And I lost it. I grabbed <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, man. Oh, dude. You know what else? Okay. <laughs> You got your bucket. Well, you're on your way to getting your bucket list checked off as far as creating your own comic book. You still got to get down that Superman book, though. You got to chase that, chase that down, right? This is this is step one, man. This is step, step one. one. Nice. So you're 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 there, man. You're you're stepping on the you're stepping on the field, basically. Now you well, give us some more set. info about Jupiter Jet. Like, you know, when's a set release time and how many issues and. Give us the well, goods. Right, right now, Jupiter Jet, uh, and basically just to sell you on the story, Jupiter Jet is a, a 16-year-old girl who finds a jetpack in her dead father's workshop, and she puts it on and decides to steal from the rich and give to the poor uh, to help out her neighborhood and also uh, to keep her and her brother and their repair shop alive. And along the way, she meets robots, she meets men with ray guns, and she finds a mysterious green glowing pyramid and as soon as she grabs that, she doesn't know what it is, but the man with the glowing eyes, uh, our villain Pluto, starts chasing her down. And it's the mm-hmm. story of what is this device and why is it so important and what did she stumble into? You know, like this girl who thought she could handle everything can't do it. Mm-hmm. And right, it's a five issue miniseries right now. I would love it to be more volumes. This is kind of volume one. Um, and we have it up on Kickstarter now for the next month, which you can find it at jupiterjetcomic.com and we are only asking for the money that it will take to pay our artist our letterer our colorer and to print it um Mm. we're not even paying ourselves we're not even getting any it's only for production and uh uh luckily we we hooked up with action lab comics action lab comics is going to distribute it um but as anyone in independent comics creator owned comics knows um your distributor doesn't pay production costs. Like it's it's kind of like a movie. Like and, and when you make a movie, um, Paramount only only pays to release the movie in movie theaters, but they don't pay Bad Robot to make the movie. Bad Robot puts up the funds and makes the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those. So that's the reason why we went to Kickstarter because we had some questions about that. But um, five issue miniseries. We got some really cool rewards over there that I'm very proud of because. I when we were thinking about it, we put this campaign together. I kind of wanted some of the rewards to feature my journey a little bit, like uh, how you get into comics, because this is my first step and stuff like that. So we have some rewards on there. Like uh, we had Uncanny X-Men writer Cullen Bunn uh, give comic book script reviews. So you could you could send him a script. And this guy who's writing the X-Men right now would give you notes on your script. And. A couple of years ago, I would have paid like a thousand dollars for that. Like seriously, like that is worth its weight in gold. Uh, I'm not saying that's what our reward is. It's much cheaper than that. But, um, <laughs> but we also have like Mitch Garrods. He just drew the most recent issue of Batman, the 14 and 15, mm-hmm. and he drew Sheriff of Babylon. He's doing artist support for there. That's a perk. And then we got Heath Corson, who writes on Justice League Action, and he wrote Bizarro, and he wrote Justice League War. He's doing script reviews as well. And we have some other uh, creators who have also agreed to do script reviews and stuff like that. So it's stuff like that. Those are our type of rewards. And then, of course, we have the rewards where you can just get the book. But on top of that, I got uh, I asked my friend Nicholas Scott, who is the artist of Wonder Woman, to draw a print of Jupiter Jet. So at a certain level, if you buy a copy of the book, and uh, you get this amazing and exclusive piece of Nicholas Scott art. And uh, wow. that's enough about the perks. So even if you just share the link or give us a dollar, um, every bit of it helps and the this is how doing these kind of raising supporting these kind of independent comic books is how like you keep the comic book industry alive because you're bringing new voices into the into the world and also it's it's a great way to 
fund ideas that probably wouldn't ever be seen at the big two. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can be a right. little bit crazier when you're in the independent comic book world. So, uh, yeah, if you want to go over there and help support that, uh, I, I would call you awesome. And uh, I got all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. We'll definitely we'll definitely share that info, to, you know, with all the listeners and like that. And dude, don't undersell it. That's probably the coolest perk I've ever heard for a Kickstarter, to be honest. Yeah, man. Amazing. Cool. Dude, that they, is awesome. Well, we, all, we also uh, one of them I also put on there, too, is that um, uh, my wife and I do this podcast called Geek History Lesson, and we get a pretty decent viewership and listenership and stuff like that. And one of the, the levels we put on there is a Skype call, a 30 minute Skype call with us. And I put it up there because I was like, well, maybe somebody wants to talk to us. But also I put it up there because it's like, well, if you have a podcast or a YouTube channel and I've gotten moderate success with that, with both of those things, why wouldn't you want to spend 30 minutes on the Skype with me and just pick my brain? I'll I'll literally tell you everything. Like you show me your podcast and then for 30 minutes, I'll be like, well, I think you should do this and do this and do this and change that because it'll do nothing but help you. JupiterJetComic.com. Will there be a Jupiter Jet Batman crossover? (laughs) (laughs) I would die. You know, the funny thing about this is um, I'm trying to uh, go to Planet Comic Con in Kansas City uh, in in May. I want to go back to a Comic Con in my home state. One of my friends said that she was going to go there. And so she shared the project and she saw the art. And she was like, you know, I really like the design of Jupiter Jet. I might cosplay as Jupiter Jet to plan oh, wow. a Comic-Con. Nice. And I literally was like, I would die <laughs> if that happened. You wow. Know? But yeah, Jupiter Jet Batman, oh, God. <laughs> Jason, you you yourself, obviously, you're, re- you're very, very uh, much into reading. Um, you're a DC guy, obviously. Um, what do you, th- and I think, is Superman your go-to normally? Uh, you know, the funny thing about that is that I'm more of a Nightwing guy. Nightwing is my favorite hero in all of DC Comics. Now, Superman is a very close second. If you were to ask me Batman, Superman, I would always say Superman. But if you were to ask me my favorite hero in the DC Universe, I'm always going to tell you Nightwing. Hmm. Is that Um, because you like karate laundry? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I, I I like Nightwing because... One of the things that I love about the DC universe, and it's a reason why I, I lean DC over Marvel, is I love the legacy. And mm. I love the idea that characters can grow. Like, The Simpsons, nobody's ever going to age, right? It's been like 30 years, and The Simpsons have always been the same age. <laughs> but if you think about DC Comics, we first met Dick Grayson when he was like eight. And he's now 23, 24, depending on the age or whatever. And for me... No matter what Batman does, Batman can never, ever eradicate crime. It's never going to happen. It's just human nature. Crime's always going to beat there. But you want to know what Batman's greatest success is? He took this hurt little orphan, raised him to adulthood. And that hurt little adulthood, who should have turned out exactly like Batman, because if you look at Batman, he's a crazy man. He's a crazy psycho orphan. If you if you look at my basin, he is. He's crazy. He raised this little kid from eight to you know twenty two, and this kid is a normal human being. He's not a mean, angry psycho like Batman is. He's has normal relationships. He's almost been married a couple of times, and he's led the Justice League, and. That's why Nightwing for me is my favorite superhero because he's Batman's greatest success. Yeah, he's he's made someone better than him almost. Poor Damien and Jason though. (laughs) They're more like they're more like Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, Um, yeah. Tim, Tim is totally Tim is totally like Bruce. Like Tim is the person that's gonna actually like become Batman later down the road, and Damien probably will become Ra's al Ghul. So yeah. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> so, what, what have you, uh, Jason? What have you thought about the rebirth titles lately? Love them, specifically with uh, with Nightwing and with Oh my God, dude, Superman! Jeez, I don't uh, know. Have you been reading Superman? 
I have been reading Superman. Actually, uh, you, Superman's fantastic. Do you, Go ahead. Do you like? Do you get like a stack of them just dropped on your desk when before they come out? Yes, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I'm that. I'm that complice. Yeah, I, I I get them about a day early. I get them like, like the I get them on the Tuesday before they come out on Wednesday. Oh, so, oh, so, nice. so you get them when I get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't get them that much earlier, but. But I will say that if I when I go into the offices, when I when I when I go in the offices, I grab them like two weeks early. Nice. <laughs> so, so a lot of times I end up with like twice the copies of, of the so like I'll, it, I'll always end up with like two Nightwings and two Supermans because I'm always like, man, I want to read that early. And then they send me my copy of Nightwing and Superman. <laughs> mm. Nice. That's so, nice but, because they prune back the um, they prune back the cop list a while back. They really, really shrunk it down. So very nice that you still get it beyond that. That's a very cool perk. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate it. Well, but it's also like it's one of the things that's kind of necessary for my job because sure. I, I have to jump into a lot of interviews with DC creators mm-hmm. and I have to know what's going on in the book. Yeah. And or otherwise the interview makes no sense. And so mm-hmm. like I really appreciate like I love it because I'm a big comic book fan. So I'm like, yes, comics. But at the same time, it's like a necessity because like I I have to read Green Arrow to be able to talk to Benjamin Percy about Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Dude, what is uh I mean, so you're Nightwing guy, but what what do you think is like the surprise rebirth title that is like, man, this book I never thought it would be as good as it is. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, there's a, there's more than one. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, I think Batgirl and the Birds of Prey is pretty is pretty damn good, and that's a surprise. I've never mm-hmm. been a huge Birds of Prey fan. Uh, I really like that one. Um, New Superman, I think, is amazing, and. I never thought the idea of just making Superman Chinese would work, but it really does. I almost need a list of them because there's so many. Yeah, Detective is one of our big ones. Detective is great. Yeah. With the team. Detective is really, man, it's funny because, and this is no slight on any of the previous Batman creators at all because sometimes what happens i mean and you guys big batman fans i'm of course are probably going to agree with me on this as a longtime batman reader dc comic reader doesn't it always usually be the case where batman you know the singular batman title is like amazing and then detective comics is just like kind of a yep. oh, okay it's like around the, yeah. like the afterthought mm-hmm. yeah definitely. exactly right yeah, it's and, supposed to be the flagship but uh yeah it's kind of come secondary well i think uh, well just to throw one thing out there real i think it's marketing too because um when if new reader goes into a comic book shop and they look at the headers they might not necessarily know that detective comics is a batman book but they're going to know that batman is a batman book so they're going to pump their best artists and creators into that title to some more books because it you know it always sells off the shelves anyway that's just it's the it's the title where dc gets its name yeah absolutely Um, it's interesting because I would say like right now I keep flipping back and forth about which one I like better. Mm. Like it's, they're neck and neck, I think, uh, which is, which is great because detective comics needs to be good. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's thing about, I I really like Superwoman just for the fact that I'm an old school electric Superman fan. And I like that we found a way to bring that back. Mm. (laughs) Um, Action comics, dude. Dan Jurgens, you know, basically writing what he knows. Dan Jurgens, I think, in my opinion, should be lauded as as the greatest Superman creator of all time because that man has written Superman for over a decade. If you were to pile together all his years of writing yeah. Superman titles, it's probably like 12, 13 years now. Wow. And none of it has been terrible. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, he is like one of the luminaries of working on Superman. Um, let's see. What else? What else? I think Green I, I, want, I want to see that as a quote on the back of like a Dan Jurgens Superman collection. None of it was terrible. <laughs> hey, that's something you have. Like, as you guys know, as comic book fans, like that's something that, that we encounter all the time, right? Like, yeah. You get some of these collections sometimes where they like really reprint old stuff. And you're like, oh, man, like issue 50 to 60 is so good. But as soon as it turns to 62, it goes terrible for like 10 issues. And then it comes back. Mm, you know, yeah, yeah. That happens all the time. You were saying you were saying Green Lanterns. I like Green Lanterns a lot, too. Nice. I think Jessica, Jessica Cruz and Simon Bass yeah. teaming up are a lot of fun. Cool. 
I, but both are very cool characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially uh, Power Ring. I love that whole Power Ring character. Yeah, she's great. Like she's good. Like the idea of putting the two of them together, like was a was a dynamic that I never thought we needed. But it's 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 great. Mm. Sam Humphreys is writing that still. Yes, he is. Yeah, he dude, is. and he's he he's another guy. That guy started out in comics by making his own one, and he literally would go drive around shop to shop and show them the comic and be like, "Can you please sell this in your shop?" Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, and it's now, a damn good comic too. And now he's a DC exclusive. Oh, nice. Man, that's awesome. He's a cool guy, man. He's really, really cool. He's he's lovely. He's a very nice guy. I've gotten to know him through the job too, and he's he's very cool. Speaking of uh, DC exclusives, um, have you interacted a lot with uh, Jeff Johns? You know, it's funny. Jeff is the one guy of the DC pantheon that I've talked the least to, and oh, it's really? only because he's so busy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He's he's never because every time I, I pop in the office, I try to say hi to like Jim Lee and try to say hi to Dan Dio. I try to say hi to everybody, mm. um, you know, just to be friendly and stuff like that. Um, and Jeff is always either not there or like so busy writing that he can't talk. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's very nice, but he is the busiest man in comic books. I can imagine, man. Wow. They, yeah. yeah, the guy never stops. He's got his hand in, in almost everything DC related. You I know, mean, look, films, look at, look at Rebirth. DC Rebirth is like legendary right now. It's for him to spearhead something yeah. like that is just uh, it's a big undertaking, and uh, I can imagine how busy he could get, especially with like the Watchmen stuff coming up and everything. Now, man, Rebirth Rebirth has really has really really helped the company a lot. And the other thing about it is that man, like most of the titles are just extraordinary. Like yeah. they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. And. And just just the the stories and the characters are just so good. And again, that's not even towing the company line. It's just like I, I'm 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 asking people in, in comic book shops. Even I'm gonna be like, and it's just across the board. Everybody's like, man, DC Rebirth. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What's even it's crazy because a lot of like YouTube like omnibus collector shows and and, and weekly mm-hmm. pull shows and and a lot of diehard Marvel fans on there and even they're like saying you know. Uh, Rebirth's kicking our ass, like you know, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, yeah. for, for them to say that, well, you know that DC is really leading the way right now. Like, and and it led to huge, uh, to huge numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. The summer sales that they reported were something like the biggest in twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, like they had, they you... had some of their first issues like sell like three hundred thousand and four hundred thousand copies, and that's something that hasn't <laughs> wow. happened in like years. Jesus. Wow. Well, we got, a, well, we got a guy named Diggity who buys about half of that stockpile. So, yeah. <laughs> he's he's 250000 of that. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's the one thing is Rebirth has not been kind on the old wallet because yeah. there's so many good titles. It's it, it's, know, it's a comic to... movement where I'm like, oh, I'm pulling so many titles. I need to drop something. Oh, but this has been so good. Oh, yeah. but that's it, It's like when you know it's hard to drop something because you're pulling so much that's a good sign that the company yeah. really you know that is a great sign and but also like isn't that as a comic fan a great problem to have though like sure. not on your wallet yeah. but like in terms of like oh man there's like 10 books but i can only afford eight which 10 yeah. which yeah. eight do i choose but this is this is <laughs> exactly. this this is the standard i've always expected from dc because dc is they're the, they're the beginning of it all the beginning of superheroes you know they 77 are. years and this is the standard and reputation and legacy that they should have. And to be this successful in modern day when everyone's so damn picky, like I think Robo Rich is saying like online and social media and oh, the Grumpler said that like just everyone is so damn critical of everything for it to get this kind of feedback. Like they're, the whole the whole team, the whole pantheon is on point with the creative direction. It must be really exciting. Like you being there and working there and, and interacting with so many people. That's that is definitely a dream job. That's awesome, man. When the, when the rumors started circulating around DC that – there was going to be this rebirth title and movement and not so much a, a reboot like another company does every other year. But, um, you know, when when rebirth was an actual idea and, and was going to be discussed, did you get any sense of hesitancy or discomfort from any of the creators or writers? Or was it pretty much everyone's like on board? Let's go do this. Because it was kind of a shakeup. Yeah, it was. They're they're actually. It's interesting. The couple of months before DC Rebirth, before they announced it all, they they just said the name right. They kind of at first they were just like, oh, DC Rebirth, and then we didn't find out what it was at WonderCon um, until they did that live uh, announcement thing. And I remember um, us talking about it on set at first, and 
there wasn't any uh, uncertainty or anything like that. Like it was a lot of m- meetings behind closed doors. And it was a lot like, oh, what are they doing in there? Oh. I, 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 I see James Tynan. I see Tom King. Oh. I see like Shauna Benson. And they're all in a room. And there's Jeff Johns. And they're like pointing at whiteboards and writing stuff up there. And like, what is happening up there? Like, you, you're just like, oh, it looks like you're planning the, the Normandy invasion. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> my, <laughs> guess, my guess was that they were going over the plans for destroying the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. So so it was a lot of that. So um there wasn't any uncertainty. It was just like they kept it really secret. And and it's funny because we learned later that like I learned later that Jeff literally had a meeting with like every writer that works on DC Rebirth. He literally had a face-to-face meeting with them or a Skype call with them, and they like would spend two to three hours talking about the book and wow. talking about the character. And kind of being like, well, what would the first six months be? And what would the first year be? And wow. like Jeff like helped them shape the book. And uh, looking at DC Rebirth now, you're just like, it shows. It totally shows. Um, yeah. So he um, has his hand in, basically in every title. And he's kind of every pie, you know, right? guiding or yeah. assisting each writing staff and creative staff along the way. He's like that little cocktail, that cocktail straw that kind of stirs it up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he is. I, he he he. Yeah, you you. He go. He dips into the drink. He stirs it up a little bit, and then he leaves. He he'll leave for a little bit, and then he'll come back in and he'll stir you up again. Yeah, <laughs> top top you up over here. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, just that that is like so awesome. By the way, to hear that of of you sitting back and watching these guys go into a room and you know talk and see and not know really what's going on and then to kind of see it kind of come to fruition. Very. I will, cool. be, I will be clear. I didn't. I wasn't in any of these meetings, but I I, I could see some of them through the door of the conference room. So cool, <laughs> man. <laughs> now so, we we talked about uh, how great all the rebirth stuff has been, but it's not just DC and Marvel stuff that's great to read right now. There's everyone else it's not just even image anymore now there's aftershock and dark horse and idw everyone is putting out so much great stuff uh outside of the big companies what else are you reading uh you know a book that i i really like is descender oh yes, yes. Uh, thank you the newest yeah. issue was awesome yeah well the, did, it, did it come out this week yeah, yeah. I haven't had a chance to read that one so no spoilers no spoilers uh, <laughs> um we have we have a two-week rule Okay, good. <laughs> we do. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just no one ever told Scott Snyder and talked about what everyone. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I you like Jeff Lemire. I love Dustin Wynn. I love his art. Yeah. It's so funny. I uh, I tried to buy some Descender original art at San Diego, but it was it was too pricey for my wallet. But it looks so beautiful. Um, uh, let's see. Let me see another. You know, another book I really love is Letter Forty Four by Charles Soule at Oni. Oh. Nice. Oh yeah. Uh, if you haven't read that one, it's about it's the idea that um, it's very well, actually, <laughs> to be honest with you, it's it's very timely for uh, where we're recording because it's about a president, the 44th president who comes into the White House. And you know how the presidents leave letters for their successors? Mm-hmm. Well, he is letter is basically like the previous president being like aliens exist. They're building a weapon around around Pluto. We sent out a crew to go stop them. Good luck. They're building a wall around yeah. Pluto. <laughs> and yeah. the new president hasn't read it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, so like, yeah. So the whole book is that is is you see the book from the president's perspective and the crew's perspective. So you see the crew that they're still journeying out to Pluto to try to stop these aliens or try to figure out whether these aliens are enemies or not. And then at the same time, the president being like. Do I reveal to the public that there's en- that there's aliens out there, or do I keep it secret? What's right? It's very interesting. Um, <clears throat> and then I'm trying to think about some other. You, you have to be you have to be reading Animosity. I'm not actually. I don't. I, tell oh. me more. Oh, Animosity is so good. good. Uh, it's uh, Marguerite Bennett mm-hmm. uh, writing that. And uh, issue one, all the animals in the world suddenly gain sentience. Oh. And become conscious on a human level. So most like captive animals, things like that, are angry at the way they've been horribly treated, <laughs> and begin attacking and killing humans. Wow. But that's uh, a great idea. Yeah, but uh, there's the other side of it. Domesticated animals, uh, like the one of the main characters, is this dog that when he sort of wakes up, 
he tells the little girl that owns him that he loves her, and he begins protecting his family from all these uh, angry animals. So that's basically what the book is. It's people and animals versus animals. Wow. Okay. It's kind of like New York City, you know, same thing. Um, <laughs> you know, an, another one that I'm enjoying that's not a 52 is, and it's not really a creator-owned book. It's um, I'm really liking uh, Star Trek Boldly Go, excuse me, Boldly Go at IDW. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, um, IDW has, like, for the last, like, five years, they've been publishing stories in the J.J. Abrams verse, like, yeah. So you're sort of following Kirk and crew in between the movies. It's written by this guy named Mike Johnson. And Boldly Go is set after Star Trek Beyond. So it's the crew, but it's the crew during their downtime. Of, well, I'm going to spoil. If you know the, the Indian Star Trek Beyond, they get the new ship. They get the Enterprise A. Spoilers right. for a movie that came out six months ago. Whatever. <laughs> um, well, this book tells what they did for that year. So, like, Captain Kirk is on, is like commanding another ship. He's commanding, like, the Farragut. And Spock is like, he's like, I'm going to check out the Vulcan colony. And then Chekhov is like over here and Sulu is over here. And so they're all separated. And it's like, you get to see, like, in between the episodes. And it's, it's great. And then in the first arc, they encounter the Borg, which is a next generation. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm huge in a Star Trek. I'm a big Star Trek fan. I don't know. Um, there's definitely some allusions to Star Trek and Jupiter Jet. So, but uh, Star Trek Boldly Go uh, for a tie-in comic book is fantastic. Very awesome. Have you been uh, dipping your toes in the Valiant Pool at all? Oh, uh, very gently because I'm an old school Quantum and Woody fan. Oh. Um, I haven't finished it, but I'm still I, I'm I'm like ten issues away from finishing uh, Exo Manowar, and I oh, love it, dude. Exo Manowar is amazing. Um, Bloodshot. Bloodshot Reborn. Bloodshot. Um, yeah. Jeff Lemire's on Bloodshot right Lemire. now. The one everybody's told me about is Ray. Or is that what I'm saying it right? Ray. It's Ray. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. It's good. That's, that's good too. That's the one that everybody's been telling me Yeah. Yeah. What's cool is that their universe is not that huge. So they do a lot of like, um, universe like crossover here and there from the different books. Um, so in a way, like everything's always kind of influencing each other. It's very, very cool. Yeah. It was doing- it was such a brilliant idea for them to make the genesis of their universe happen around Exo Manowar. And yeah. I would say to anybody, anybody out there that has ever considered writing some sort of shared universe or writing a book like, say, like Lord of the Rings or even The Expanse that that's like, oh, this is a huge world, man. Exo Manowar and the Valiant Universe and how they like layered up their universe and increased it is so brilliant. Yeah. And it works. But we mentioned a couple of rebirth titles. Um are you reading All Star Batman by any chance? I love the Mr. Freeze issue. I thought oh, it was really yes. great with Jock. Oh, I thought it was, uh, really it was solid. Awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna humble brag a little bit here. Nice. Uh, a little bit about All Star Batman. Um I got to go to Scott Snyder's house and interview him about it. Uh, before it came out we were talking about it and stuff like that and after the interview he was like do you want to read it and he just sent me i i got to read all-star batman one like four months before it came out and then again and you remember i talk, said like there are parts of this job that seem so surreal for being a comic book fan well that's one of them that's awesome. uh, no i like all-star batman i think it's very cool it's like it's like a um a greatest hits of batman yeah. yeah. Another thing too, you're a big figure guy. Everybody watches your YouTube video, they see the shelf behind you. You got some DC Universe classic buttes on that shelf. Oh, <laughs> he does right? too. Oh, some buttes, some I, beautiful. I miss, I miss that line. Yeah. I really do. What? I, uh, I, have the, I have the Metron with this chair as well <sighs> from that line, the DC Universe classic. Yeah, I, I'm a big, I'm a big action figure guy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to step back from it a little bit because I'm no. running out of shelf space. Oh, no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can you can go uh if you flip through my instagram i think it's like uh early december i built a display for my batman the animated series that dc collectibles line yeah oh, dude nice. i've seen that with the with the beautiful colors oh. yeah with the, it's a red it's a red sky with black buildings yeah people have copied you by the way i don't know if you know that bastards, oh, they, bastards. Yeah, people cool. no people have copied your display i'm not kidding you i've seen <laughs> I've seen other people take your just dis- like they got your idea and they just like did their own. 
Huh. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So yeah, mm. it's that's perfect, dude. You did a perfect job on that display. Nice. What hey man, um, 20, 20 bucks at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. What other figures have? Are you? You said you're trying to step back, but have you gotten any figures recently? Are you excited for any ones that have come out? Uh, I just got the Alec Guinness Obi Wan Kenobi from the Star Wars Black series. Ooh, uh, which is awesome. Um, I just got the Greg Capullo Superman that, here. That's a nice figure. I like that. Figure. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good figure. And um, I'm I'm currently hunting right now for the the new Spider-Man 2099 that Marvel Legends just released. I can't cool. find it. me too. Did Did cool. you see that Spider-Man 2000, 2099 Prime One statue by any chance? I did not. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh man. Jason, are you familiar with Prime One? <laughs> I am not. I'm gonna good. Google no, right stay now. away, dude. Stay <laughs> away. Google <laughs> yeah, do Spider-Man 2099 <laughs> Prime One, dude. This, uh, just prime, do Prime One Batman anything. It's, it's a, insane. Work of holy art. cow. <laughs> <laughs> There's one where his mask comes up over his face. That's yeah. awesome. They're nuts, dude. So, I can't but, afford that. No. <laughs> you know what? Have DC buy one for the for the common room, and you can just look at it. For the common room. Just going to go really well. Hey, DC, go buy the Spider-Man 2099 statue for me. <laughs> um, quick lightning sure. round. Let's do lightning round. Sounds fun. Lightning round. Lightning round. Being out in L.A., are you a big fan of the In-N-Out? Or do you have a other preference for your cuisine out there? Well, here's the thing about living in L.A. My favorite burger chain is exempted from being in L.A. because of zoning laws, because it's too big. My favorite burger thing is Sonic. Mm. Oh, I love Sonic, but I have to like go an hour outside of L.A. to even find a Sonic. I like In and Out, but I think the Sonic Burger is better. Sonic's headquarters are here in Dallas, and there's one on every block. I mean, <laughs> All four corners in a Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do also. They also have a good Coney, so you know. Dude, I love their like there's their ice cream options too. <laughs> oh no! Uh, what's your favorite uh, Batman movie? Batman Begins. Begins. Nice. Good choice. Cool. Nice choice. Batman yeah. Begins is my favorite Batman movie simply for the fact that it if you look at Dark Knight and you look at Dark Knight Rises, both of those movies kind of forget that they're Batman movies. Yeah. They kind of become these Ooh. movies about Bane or Joker. And Batman Begins is so much about Bruce. And it also I it showed the idea of his journey that actually at that time had not even been shown in the comic books. A lot of the comic books now steal from Batman Begins because, you know, him being with Roswell Ghoul and stuff like that. That was not in the comic books before Batman Begins. Yeah. Uh, it was just kind of a, it was just kind of like, oh, he he went off and trained in Asia for a while. Mm. Uh, but I really liked it because it was the first film that I walked away from Batman film and I was like, oh, that's the, that's the closest we'll ever get to the comic books. And I kind of hope now we live in such a golden age that Ben Affleck proves me wrong. Yeah, mm. you know one thing I loved about Begins that was never in the comic books was when Commissioner Gordon, well, then when he was a young co uh, cop, was in his beat uniform, you know, comforting a young Bruce. I always loved. I love that, that as well. Yeah. I, I think that's such a great way to really. Start I like that better than him coming from Chicago too. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're both good, but like I think to wait for them to start their relationship or their introduction to each other like that was just really it really sent the ball home for me with them so yeah that was really cool. what was your favorite uh superman movie i mean you can't beat superman the movie you, you really with christopher you really, reeves with christopher reeve you really you that movie that movie is a movie classic yes. more so than a superhero film but i really really like man of steel Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Virtual high five, bro. Virtual yeah. great movie. I, 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 yeah, I'm the same way. I, yeah, the the destruction of the city goes on a little bit too long. But like, that happens when that in movie, comic books. Which, why, why do people complain about that? That's so stupid. Exactly, exactly. It's because sometimes people just want to complain about anything. But when <laughs> that movie ends and Lois Lane says, "Welcome to the planet," and then it just flashes Man of Steel and that amazing Hans Zimmer Superman theme comes up, like, so good. I, it's so tough for me not to just like stand up and applaud. Yeah, yeah. the music uh, made it. Music made it like that. Music elevated that movie so much. And yeah. and Henry Cavill looks so much like the Kurt Swan Superman. It's insane. He is handsome. 
<laughs> if, if, he, if, if Henry Cavill walked up to me and said, let's get married, it'd be tough for me not to say yes. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you think about it. My wife and all her things would be on the curb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have this discussion because, you know, here in the Bat Force, we've, we've got, uh, you know, we cross from the West Coast to the East Coast, from the North to the South, and we're always discussing cuisine. And a favorite cuisine of ours is pizza. So what's your favorite type of pizza? Do you like the thin crust, deep dish, veggie pizza, meat lovers? What what do you go with, man? I have to go a deep dish meat lovers. Oh. 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 Hey, yeah, is not even so happy. <laughs> we're we're I, missing. I, I'm yeah, doubling down. I'm I want my stomach to just I want my stomach at first to be like, mmm, pizza, and then at the very end be like, oh, pizza. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I want that transition. We got a member who's from Chicago, and he's gonna be thrilled to hear you say that because uh, everyone knows that deep dish is the real deep pizza. Dish. None of this, yeah. none of this card. The devil's in the pizza, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Favorite M and M? I like crispy M and M's. I really do. Nice. Yeah, I really like crispy M and M's. I'm glad they brought them back. Favorite music artist? I've become an old man. Uh, (laughs) I don't listen to new music anymore. Uh, Because I'll I'll give you a fair warning: if you ever come to LA, all the broadcast radio stations are garbage. They are, dude. they're terrible, and they all they want to play are like. Well, I I, I see this to show how old I am, how far I'm removed from music. They just want to play Justin Bieber all the time, or like oh, Justin oh, Bieber like. Yeah. Um, so I don't listen to the radio anymore. Like if a new song happens, I, it's because I hear it in a movie or a TV show. Mm. So my go-to will always be the Beatles. I I love the Beatles. I never get tired of the Beatles. Can't go wrong with that. Besides this one, what's the weirdest interview you've had? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had a, a, a weird interview, but I've had a tough interview where basically I had to ask myself the questions. <laughs> yeah, it was like, so I would have to like say my answer and then basically, basically be like, well, you can ask me about that if you like. And then that person would be like, Oh, yeah. And then they'd ask me the question I just suggested to them. Uh, <laughs> because if I didn't brilliant. do that, it would just be dead air. A regular um, Lois wow. Lane. <laughs> if you could bring back one person from the dead and have dinner with them in a conversation, who would it be? Oh, my God. That's a great question. Um, my comic book fanboy heart wants to say Jack Kirby, but I'm pretty certain Jack Kirby would hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I also think he'd be a terrible person to have dinner with. Uh, he'd just be angry and complain the entire time. Um, oh, man, that is an amazing question. Um, Leonard Nimoy. Nice. That nice. I bring back from the dead to have dinner with. Because nice. I, I think he... I've listened to a couple of his books. It, go read his books. They are master classes in how to live your life. He has a very interesting way to look at life. And I think he was just a smart fella. And then I would just quiz him about everything Star Trek. I'd be like, all right, now tell me about this episode. <laughs> now we're going to talk about this episode. If, uh, if you could purchase a single piece of original art from an artist, uh, what would it be and from what book? Oh, man, that's a... That's an amazing God. These are great questions, guys. <laughs> That's all all the type we have, man. We're we're professionals. <laughs> yeah, remember you told us. Yeah. <laughs> we're validated. We, um, man, an original piece of art. Um, that is such a difficult question. Um, I I'm gonna put out an answer that that I don't I don't think would be the real. I would love a piece of fantastic four art from the galactus mm. story oh. the original one the kirby art that nice. would be pretty amazing galactus dude that's awesome but yeah. Yeah, great that, that runs amazing but i think personal like for me to mean the most to me to have a page from superman 75 would be amazing the, the dan jurgens drawn issue where it was all splash pages and it's the oh, issue God. that superman died because that's the story that got me into comic books and Mm. for me when i think about superman i think about dan jurgen so to have like one of those pages preferably the one where he's like laying in lowe's arms i think would be so amazing to have um so that would that would be a piece of art that i would kill i'm sure they're all sold off and they're all gone and they're probably thousands of dollars or whatever um and then also a goofy answer for you here here's a goofy answer for you um i want a piece of art from the very first issue that superman had his electric costume because I love that costume, even though I don't. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Man. That creates another question. Are you going to 
be able to keep any of the original art for Jupiter Jet, and then maybe also would as an incentive on the Kickstarter, would you offer up some original art? Look at you, man, setting me up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no. Our artist, our artist draws digitally, but okay. safe answer. Yeah, but. I did ask him to draw three pages uh, on actual, like, Bristol board and stuff like that. So that reward is coming. Mm. It's probably going to pop up in the next couple of days. I'm going to offer – there's three pages. We only we only, we only did it for three pages. And I'm going to offer those three pages. And I probably actually might ask somebody because you can't, you know, you can't donate to your own campaign. I'm probably going to ask somebody to donate to that level for me. So I can <laughs> one of those pages I do really, really want. So um, those um, those will be coming to the Kickstarter very, very soon. But um, yeah, man, like it's just the nature of the business um, that most artists draw digitally. It's faster. It's easier for them to clean up mistakes. I understand it, but I, I, I do agree. I do have some original art of my own. Like I was able to get a piece from Jorge Corona. He was the guy that drew We Are Robin. And he's become a friend of mine. And I bought a piece from him that is a page from Robin War, and it's the first time that Duke meets Damien. Oh, and it's nice. A, it's a really cool-looking page, and I and I bought it simply for the fact that I was like, oh, man, like, you usually don't get hero pages like that, you know, and he, he had it very fairly priced. Uh, so, and I I also, um, after the Kickstarter, I'm probably going to buy myself a, um, a Patrick Gleason Superman piece because he keeps putting them up, and I keep seeing them, and I keep just... I should just buy them. He's uh, so from his good. Superman run because they're they're so good. Yeah, he's really yeah. good. <clears throat> and for the last question, who would win in a dumb wrestling match? You or Tiffany? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it, come on, it's me. Tiffany does all this hot yoga, but in a thumb wrestling contest, I am going to dominate her. (laughs) So, you know, the only way she wins is if I'm a gentleman. (laughs) But you're not. But I'm not. Unless she does the the, uh, index finger. And and guys traditionally have that video game strength in the thumbs. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. Although there are a lot of women out there that have that video game strength too. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I said traditionally, but yeah, it's a lot different now. Yeah, Tiffany's not much of a gamer, so I got her beat on that. There you go. Nice. Dude, thank you so much. This was a ton of fun, man. We really, really enjoyed having you on. Yeah, no, this blast. guys, this is seriously, this is one of the best uh, interviews podcasts that I've wow. ever done. I would love to come back on the show one oh, day. Oh, we'd just, love to have you, man. We yes. talked more about Batman and don't make me feel so self-conscious. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, dude, we, uh, and yeah, to anybody out there, one last chance, jupiterjetcomic.com. It is a comic dream of me for about a year and my wife. Um, it's a girl with a jetpack and fighting people with ray guns. How can you not see? You're going to see that art. And you're going to love it because it, it blew me away the first time I saw it, too. And sharing it or just donating one dollar makes such a big difference on Kickstarter. Just any kind of donation makes such a big difference. So go check it out. I hope you like it. Uh, JupiterJetComic.com. This is Jason Inman from DCL Access, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now. And subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.